Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. It's Thursday, January 20th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Some of the most endangered wolves in the world can be found in the greater St. Louis region. The American red wolf is among the naturally shy animals who are often labeled as villains in movies and folklore. People are afraid of them. If you're afraid of something, then you want to move it or deter it or kill it. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Kayla Drake takes us to an evening wolf howl at the Endangered Wolf Center in Eureka. Governor Mike Parson wants to again cut the income tax rate for Missouri residents. The governor made the request during yesterday's State of the State address. The tax rate will be reduced to a new low of 5.3%, easing Missourians' tax burdens yet again. Thanks to common sense, responsible spending, and working with the General Assembly. Right now, the vast majority of people pay a rate of 5.4%. Parson is also pledging more than $2 billion in new spending, including a $400 million investment in broadband. Much of this funding will come from federal coronavirus relief. Almost all of the promises by the governor have to be approved by the General Assembly. Republicans have large majorities in the House and Senate in Jefferson City, but there is a loud contingent of anti-spending members in both chambers. The governor is proposing a record $47.3 billion budget. That spending plan will have a generally favorable response from the GOP majorities in Jefferson City. But as St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports, not everything will be a slam dunk. Senate Majority Leader Caleb Rowden says the governor gave a good state of the state address and the legislature will give it a closer look as the session moves forward. But he also says Parsons' proposal to allocate all of the state's federal COVID dollars in one year gives him pause. It's a matter of figuring out how you invest it in a way um, that, that really can have an impact over the long haul, right? You know, limited government isn't, isn't no government. It, it, it's just investing in the right ways and in, in the right moment. Rowden also says he's generally in favor of Parsons' proposal to hold back 2.5% of state revenue to go into a rainy day fund but says the details are very important and lawmakers will make sure it's done correctly. In Jefferson City, I'm Jonathan All, St. Louis Public Radio. House Minority Leader Crystal Quaid says there's plenty in the proposed budget to support. There's significant money for things like child care, mental health funding, substance abuse funding, after-school programming we're hoping is going to be a part of that discussion, broadband, infrastructure, higher ed, community college. You know, the list is really good, and those are things that we've been fighting for for a really long time. Quaid says Democrats will be advocating for more funding than Parson is requesting for some projects. Now, the pandemic and continuing legal fight over face coverings. A circuit court judge ruled yesterday that St. Louis County may continue to enforce an indoor mask mandate for now. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt is suing to invalidate the order which the county council put in place January 5th. He wants the court to block enforcement while this case proceeds. The next hearing in all this is set for February 8th. The recent coronavirus spike is prompting many St. Louis arts organizations to postpone or cancel events. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports. The Repertory Theater of St. Louis and St. Louis Symphony Orchestra are among the arts groups pushing events scheduled for this month into later in the year. Even with requirements to wear masks and show proof of COVID-19 vaccination, 
Some arts leaders say it's time to hit pause on live performances again, as they did in 2020. Brian McKinley is an actor and spokesperson for the Black Rep. We decided um, as a result of those rising numbers that even though we had all this protocol in place, that it was probably best for us to postpone our production till the summer. This weekend's concert by singer Diane Reeves at the Sheldon has been pushed to April, as have three performances by the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra of music from a Harry Potter film. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, St. Louis Public Radio. And maybe some good news on the coronavirus front. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker is cautiously optimistic the Omicron wave of the pandemic has peaked. Hospitalizations and the number of people requiring intensive care have fallen daily in Illinois over the past week, and Pritzker says more people are getting their first flu shots. In the first two weeks of 2022, 14,000 new people have gotten their first vaccine dose every single day. That's around 100,000 newly vaccinated people, about the population of Peoria every week. Illinois is focusing more on hospitalization data and less on case numbers. There were nearly 7,400 people across the state hospitalized with COVID roughly a week ago. That number is now down to around 6,500. Although they are usually depicted in movies as ferocious, wolves are often misunderstood. They are naturally shy. Workers at the Endangered Wolf Center in Eureka are trying to help people appreciate the canines. St. Louis Public Radio's Kayla Drake went to the center this past weekend to learn more about the animals during an evening wolf howl. I'm walking with a pack of people along an icy dirt road in Eureka. It's below freezing, and despite being bundled up, I probably could have used an extra pair of socks. There's plenty of moonlight to guide our steps, though, because, of course, it's a full moon. We are not the pack that matters tonight. Gosh, that's so beautiful. Bill, I don't think our job's going to be hard tonight. <laughs> we go down. They're frisky. The staff at the Endangered Wolf Center is geeking out. Because tonight, the wolves are extra noisy. But it's not the full moon that's causing the howls. That's a common myth. The stars of the show are a chorus of Mexican and American red wolves. The ensemble of 40 canines live on about 70 acres at the Endangered Wolf Center. The American red wolf is the most endangered wolf in the world. There's only around 10 left in the wild in North Carolina. Wolves often get a bad rap. That's why this full moon howl and the center's other programs help people appreciate these naturally shy animals. Wolves um, are kind of painted as villains. We see it a lot in movies and in radio and in folklore, all that. Um, people are afraid of them. If you're afraid of something, then you want to move it or deter it or kill it. Stephanie Arney is the director of education at the Endangered Wolf Center. She's on a mission to break the stereotype that wolves are evil. I think our goal here is any excuse to get you out here so that you see what we see, so that you learn what we have learned about wolves. What is a howl? Why do they howl? Does it really have something to do with the full moon like we have today? Um, or is it just how they communicate and wrangle each other in after a busy day of foraging and hunting? 
Once upon a time, the American red wolf was native to Missouri. Arnie says wolves are essential to ecosystems because they keep the food chain in check. They're almost now all critically endangered. The Old Farmer's Almanac calls the first full moon in January a wolf moon. And tonight, the wolves sound more frisky than usual. Community engagement coordinator Dana Hillerin says that's because breeding season is just around the corner. Before we had a clear understanding of what was going on scientifically and socially with the packs, um, they, they are noisier this time of year. So people heard that noise and they said, Oh, well, it is the dead of winter. They must be pretty darn hungry, and they're just so upset that they're hungry, and they're howling all the time. Why do wolves howl? Stephanie Arney of the Endangered Wolf Center explains. They howl in order to basically regather their group, or I should say their pack. So throughout the day, they all spread out to try to uh, find different food sources. And it, when the sun starts to set, that's usually when they're like, okay, come on home. It reminds me of like growing up and I'd go out and play. And once the sun was coming down and if I was having so much fun, my mom would come out and be like, Stephanie, dinner is ready. And then it's also a way for them to rebond again. And it informs every other wolf or predator or any species in the area. This is who we are. This is what we sound like. This is how many there are. This is our space right here. Here we are, back on the icy dirt road. And we made it to the stopping point in time for the best part of the show. Volunteer Bill Courtney starts with a Mexican wolf howl. (laughs) If you listen closely, it's the deeper one. Dana Hillerin, who's our guide tonight, echoes back with an American wolf howl. It has a higher pitched yip, similar to that of a coyote. Call and response howl gets the real wolves to join in. They are wondering who's out on this hillside. <laughs> this is possibly the most talkative night I've ever heard of them. Despite the prodding, the wolves did not need much encouragement tonight. St. Louis Public Radio's Kayla Drake reporting. She put that together for St. Louis on the Air, which airs weekdays at noon on St. Louis Public Radio. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Verb. I am out tomorrow. Eric Schmid will be behind the microphone. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.